And thanks, Randy, for uh, leading and opening our service this evening. Now, if you've got a Bible handy and uh, you can find John's Gospel, please do so. And we'll turn, if we may, to John, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 6, and read a few verses in just a moment together. Um, friends. Friends are important to us. Uh, friends is the name of a television series, I understand. I've never, ever watched a single episode, so I cannot tell you anything about it. Uh, friends do seem to be terribly important to us. We hear people talking about the number of friends that they have on uh, Facebook, whatever Facebook is. Uh, you hear people talking about uh, lots of friends that they may have at school. And then you come across some folks who are somewhat lonely. Quite a lot of men these days don't have real friends, close friends, people that they can uh, rely upon, that they can seek help and encouragement from. Thomas Edison, yesterday uh, we went to uh, Port Burrell. I, I won't show you my tummy, but I sat out in the sun. I'm, I'm afraid I've uh, gone a little bit red here. <laughs> Not a wise thing to do. But I noticed there was uh, all sorts about Thomas Edison, and I had read an article recently about this man. He was a great inventor. He invented uh, um, things uh, such as devices uh, for generating electrical energy and power. Um, he came up with devices for mass communication, for sound recording, for motion pictures. And so in some respects, Thomas Edison, you could say, helped to develop the Internet. But I wonder what you would have... Uh, what he would have said if you'd brought him and sat him in front of a computer and uh, showed him what social media was all about. I wonder what he would say as he saw uh, perhaps some of the things that he had invented being taken forward and developed and so on. But the interesting thing about Thomas Edison was that he was a very personable guy. He had lots of friends. And when he uh, moved to Florida, I don't know all the details as to why they left Port Burrell. Seems quite a nice spot there, but they ended up in Florida. And uh, he had a house. Uh, you can still visit it today. And in the garden, there is what's called the Friendship Pathway. And the thing that makes this walk of friendship or Friendship Pathway different or unique is the fact that each of the stones that are made uh, in the path was given to him by an acquaintance or a friend. And it's a long path. He had many friends. He had many people who he uh, appreciated and they appreciated him. And so they wanted to show their association with him and their friendship by helping him to build this path. You know, it's always interesting to look at who our friends are. And one of the things that the Bible warns us very carefully about, if you read Proverbs, is choose your friends carefully. And I can say this particularly to young people. Choose your friends carefully. Friends can get us into all sorts of problems and difficulties, trials. They can lead us into temptation. They can take our eyes off of the Lord Jesus. And so it's important that we choose our friends carefully. But all of us need to do this because we're all in the same situation. That If we allow influences into our life, then we discover that we can easily be led astray. Of course, the upside to, to that is that we can have good friends. We can have friends that will show love and respect toward us. 
Our friends who will lead us. And one of the best things is to choose or to find a friend who knows and loves the Lord Jesus. And that friend can take us forward and can help us to deepen our faith and our relationship with the Lord. And instead of taking our eyes off of Jesus, they can focus our eyes firmly on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so choose our friends very carefully. And Proverbs, as I say, has a great deal to tell us about this. It's interesting to look at famous people and their friends. And out of the whole world, out of all the people on this planet, our Lord Jesus Christ chose 12 men as his closest followers and indeed friends. But it was one of these privileged few who has come to be known as the most tragic figure in the whole of the scriptures. Who am I talking about? Well, you've probably been able to guess already. We know that his name is synonymous with all traitors. Today, you hear his name used to describe people who let you down. And someone can be described as Judas. Judas Iscariot. And it seems... Today, as I get into conversation with people, that I am convinced that there are multitudes of people just like Judas today. What do I mean by this? How are they like Judas? Is it because they're nasty people? No, that's not what we're talking about. Is it because they're people that you can't trust? Well, no, not really in this particular case. People always let you down No, that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about Judas because Judas had been given a great privilege of coming close to Jesus. And there are many of us even sat here in this tent this evening who have had the privilege of coming close to Jesus. We've been able to hear his word read to us, perhaps as young children, our parents, our mother read to us the scriptures. There may even have been occasions when our fathers took us aside and explained what it is to know Jesus. And we've come close, and we've come close in a church family and situation such as the one that we have here. And this morning, as we were talking together of some of those most important things, what a privilege it was to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, in us, working through us. So there are people just like Judas who have had the privilege of coming close to the Savior. And yet, all too often that seems to be as far as they ever get. They come close to knowing Jesus, but something stops them. Something distracts them. And suddenly you find that their attention is turned away and the things of this world become so busy, other people come into their lives and sometimes friends come in who we should not have allowed to come into our lives. And we turn away. And we walk in the opposite direction. And this evening, we're going to look at just how fortunate Judas was. We're going to continue this um, subject, this theme next week. But this evening, we look at how fortunate Judas was. How privileged he was to know Jesus and to have the opportunity to meet and to talk and to live And to know the Lord Jesus. And then next week we're going to consider what went wrong. How he lost the promises of Christ. 
and how he joined the opposers of Christ and how eventually and ultimately he died without Christ. Friends, I don't want you to die without knowing the Lord Jesus. And none of you want to die without knowing the Lord Jesus. None of you want your life to come to an end without knowing him as your savior. None of us want to face the divide between living in the here and now and facing the hereafter without knowing Jesus. Now, most people will admit that they are fearful of death. The trouble with death is it's just so final, isn't it? You know, one minute you're there and the next minute gone. Some people die much too young. Some people die in unfortunate circumstances. Often those unfortunate circumstances can be brought on for the, by themselves. Young people may not think about death because they are young and because they have hundreds of years ahead of them. And they've got plenty of time to think about the questions that God asks and the questions that God causes us to think. For older people, well, it's just inevitable, isn't it? You know, the time's ticking by. And it's the inevitable reality that that day is getting closer and closer. And there is really nothing that we can do about it. Does everybody know what, uh, what this is? Kit Kat bar, okay. Um, would, would anybody like a Kit Kat bar? You can take one afterwards, okay. I remember uh, some years ago there was an advertisement in the UK for Kit Kat bars. And many people were terribly upset by the advertisement. And uh, there used to be a slogan that went with them. I don't think they have it anymore, but it used to be, take a break, take a Kit Kat. Did they have that one here in North America? I, I, I have no idea, but they may have. Take a break, take a Kit Kat. And as I say, the advertisement that they had upset many, many people. And surprisingly enough, it wasn't the Christians that were upset by this particular advertisement, although some of them might have been. It wasn't people that attended church regularly that was upset by it. So I want to set the scene, and if anybody is upset by the advertisement, well, we can talk about it afterwards, but it helps us to understand. I want you to imagine a room. Uh, it's white. It's clean. It's peaceful. And in the middle of the room, there is a, a very soft, cozy couch. And then behind the couch, there are two doors. And the door on this side suddenly opens... And a couple of white woolly lambs come trotting out. And then a couple of white doves come flying out. And then an elderly gentleman comes out, complete with halo, um, wearing a white robe, angelic wings. And of course, he is to portray God. And some people would have been upset about that. And, and you'll hear the rest of it in just a moment. And he comes and he sits on the sofa. There's quiet piped music playing. And it's a scene of just everything is so peaceful. And then suddenly the other door over here opens and you see the back of a man and he stood with a whip, cracking the whip. And then he gets a stick of dynamite out and he throws it in and there's a big explosion. And he shouts, quiet! And then he walks over, he's dressed in black and red and he's a bit singed here and there and he sits on the couch. He's tired, he's weary. 
And then he picks up a Kit Kat. And he says, take a break. Have a Kit Kat. Okay. Now, who would be upset by that advertisement? Well, you know, there was a few fundamental evangelical Christians who didn't like the idea of God being portrayed in that way. But the people that contacted the, the, um, uh, the, the, the Broadcasting Standards Network were mainly atheists. Were mainly people that didn't believe in, in God, didn't believe in Satan or anything like this. And they were upset because the impression that was being given was that hell was a real place. The impression being given was that it was a terrible place to be. And they didn't like that. And so they complained and they contacted those that would have perhaps some say as to what was going on. You see, whilst you may not think that there is nothing that you can do about your eternity, the Bible says there is. And it's this, you can prepare for it. You can have certain knowledge that everything will be okay. You can have assurance that everything will be okay. That you will spend your eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. That you will know peace and joy for all eternity. And Judas could have known real peace with God through all eternity through Jesus Christ the story of Judas as we know it begins where the public life of Jesus began Jesus spent time in prayer before choosing the 12 disciples these men were going to be with our Lord Jesus for the next three years or so as he went about his work here on earth and among them was Judas Iscariot, described as one of the twelve in a number of places. Now for a moment, I want you to imagine the wonderful and amazing and life-changing experiences that Judas was privileged to see, to hear, and to be part of. He heard the teachings of Jesus. Judas heard the magnificent Sermon on the Mount, and parables like the Good Samaritan, parables like the Prodigal Son, and the Lost Sheep. And he heard them as the words fell from the mouth of Jesus. Judas was there listening to our Lord's staggeringly simple yet profound teaching. Judas was also able to sit by the roadside or on the mountainside and to hear Jesus open the scriptures to the people. And for three years, Judas was one of those fortunate enough men to be able to listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he spoke them. But the truth is that he never fully believed he never came to a personal, intimate understanding of who Jesus Christ was. And nor did he truly trust in Christ's wonderful promises. If he had, then he would never have betrayed Jesus. Now ask yourself the question, 
how many people have heard all the teachings of Christ in the history of the world? How many people have heard the Bible read? How many people have come into a church or listened to a radio program or watched a television program where the name of Jesus Christ is lifted high and the gospel of peace is preached with passion and conviction and people are able to see testimonies in somebody's life and they hear of what it was that Christ has done for them. There are some people here in this tent that have got incredible testimonies how God came in through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, transformed them. Perhaps from your childhood you've been taught the scriptures. Perhaps you went to Sunday school or to some Bible club at some local church. Perhaps you went to a Christian school and you were taught all there is to know about God and about Jesus and indeed even trusting in him. You learnt all there was to know about hell and how you might want to come to faith in the Lord Jesus. It's even possible that you yourself have preached about Jesus. It's possible that you yourself have been involved in door-to-door or evangelism. And you've wanted to share the gospel with people, but you never knew the Savior yourself. And that's exactly what Judas failed to do. He never truly believed in the Savior. He saw the miracles. Judas was once in a boat with Jesus and the other disciples on the Sea of Galilee when suddenly this huge storm comes up. And the disciples panicked. And they wake Jesus. And they cry out to him and say, don't you care that we're going to perish? Perish is a nice word for drowning. And Jesus stood up and said to the wind and to the waves, peace, be still. And immediately tranquility came. And the sea became calm. The wind stops. The waves stop. So Judas not only saw that Jesus had power over nature, but Judas was there. He felt the wind and he felt the waves subside. He went from feeling the water stinging his face to everything being at peace. Not a ripple. Judas was there too when Jesus took five loaves and two fish, broke them, and he fed thousands of people. Judas saw the Lord Jesus heal the blind, the deaf, the lame, cleanse the lepers, and bring the dead back to life. Time after time, Judas watched these miraculous events. And yet he never allowed himself to experience the miracle of Jesus Christ changing his own heart. It may be that you've even seen a miracle. At least you've heard of a miracle from somebody that you trust very much. Uh, You may have prayed for God to come in to help you in some trial or sickness. And you've seen other people do this. And you've seen God intervene. You've seen a miracle. And you've known that God answers prayer. But have you ever come to him and said, Oh God, please do that miracle in my heart and in my life. 
You see, Judas saw people converted to Christ. And as one of the twelve, Judas was with Jesus as he sat beside a well and he talked to a woman who had lived an immoral life. And this woman was so changed by the encounter that she had with Jesus that she went back into her town and she told everybody what had happened to her. She couldn't help it because everything had changed. Suddenly, she now understood who she was. She now understood the sin that she had in her life and she shouts out to her friends and to her neighbors and she says come and see a man who told me everything I ever did and later we're told that in her town many people believed at least partly because of this woman's transformed life on another occasion Judas saw a chap who was not so very tall his name was Zacchaeus And he was a greedy little tax collector. I don't know why those words always seem to go hand in hand, but that's who he was, a greedy little tax collector. And this man climbs down from a tree because the Lord Jesus looked up and spoke to him. And Judas watches this man as he goes into his house with Jesus and they have a meal together. And miracle of all miracles, Judas sees this man completely changed and he comes out saying, have I stolen? I'll repay fourfold. And half my goods I will give to the poor. Judas saw people who were once utterly mixed up, torn apart by Satan's temptations. And these people came to worship the Lord Jesus Christ with perfect serenity, with peace and devotion. Judas saw many people converted. But he never experienced conversion himself. Now it's quite possible that as you sit here this evening that you too have seen people brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you've thought to yourself, no way, there's no way that so and so could possibly change in the way that they have. This is David's story. It's a genuine story. It's real. It's true. It's from a reliable source. And he says this, I was 10 or 11 years old when I began smoking weed and experiencing different drugs. I remember that it was then that I stole my first car. It was the beginning of a life of bad choices. After that, my life just became a whole lot worse. Everything you didn't suspect that you would ever do, you did. I ran with a gang. I stole. I sold guns. I stole guns and sold them. I was sent to juvenile hall to boot camp. I missed about six or seven Thanksgiving and Christmas due to the fact that I was in prison. And by the time I was 17 years old, I'd been charged with 36 felonies, 56 misdemeanors. I knew without a doubt that I was going again to prison. I had already done three camp commitments and a whole bunch of time in juvenile hall. And I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life incarcerated. And that is when I first cried out to Jesus Christ. Jesus, if you're really who my mum says you are. It's funny how it always starts so often with what your mum says. If you're really who she said you are, then please help me. I beg you. And without a doubt, David says God saved him from the lion's den. He was sentenced to a six-month commitment 
in Los Pritos book, boot camp for the fourth time. This doesn't happen. You would think that that, that would be when I learned my lesson, but no, sir, not me. Shortly after being released from custody, I started stealing, dealing, and using drugs again. I fell for lust of a girl, and we had a child together. She left me for another man. Instead of seeking the Lord, I became depressed and started cutting my wrists. The pain was unbearable, so I chose to swallow 95 pills, hoping to end my life. I was sent to juvenile hall to boot camp again. But I want you to know that that even then, God had a plan for my life. Looking back, I can see it, but at the time, I couldn't. Jesus saved me once again from going down into the pit of hell. I was taken to the emergency room after telling a friend what I had done, and of course, by then I was showing side effects. And while I was in intensive care for a week, the mother of my daughter made a false police report against me. She was angry because she had found out that I was seeing another woman. I was released from hospital into the custody of the Santa Maria Police Department. I found myself with a hole in my heart from heartbreak and in jail for something that I didn't do this time. When I went to court, I was told that I could get up to 18 years. Imagine my pain. How would you feel? How would you take this? Not only am I accused of something God knows I didn't do, but I could spend the next 18 years in prison. While I was in a deep sleep in my cell, I had a vision of being told to find the Lord. I woke up sweating. I cried out to the Lord, Lord, my life is a wreck, but you've let me live for a reason. Please help me. Please forgive me. And please give me a new heart. Take me as I am. And ever since that day, I have been serving the Lord here in prison. I had a 10-year sentence. I didn't do it. But God has placed me here for this reason. I'm now the leader of a prayer circle that we hold every night. I've started to study the Bible on my own, and praise God, the numbers for our Bible study are increasing as well in the prison. As crazy as it sounds, I believe with all my heart that God placed me here for a reason, to completely surrender my life to him and to carry out his word. I'm still incarcerated with a few more years to go, but I am finally free of the bondage of depression through the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and my Savior. Job 33:28 is the verse that David brings, for he redeemed my soul from going to the pit, and I will live to enjoy the light. Now maybe you've met somebody in that category. You've met somebody who has a testimony to share. And you know that miracles do happen. And they continue to happen. And suddenly, Christ himself becomes real to someone. And you realize that there is something radically different about them. And you ask the question. And the answer is always the same. I've got right with God. I've met with Jesus. He's changed me. He lives within me. 
but it's never happened to you and you really want it to and you pray and you continue to pray. A woman who had gone to church all her life once said, the real Christians always have something more. And that is how Judas must have felt as he walked around with the 12 other men and the Lord Jesus, as the 11 other men and the Lord Jesus. You know, Judas also did the work of Christ. And as one of the 12, Judas participated in the work of God in spreading the words of Jesus. For instance, there was a time when the Lord Jesus gathered 72 disciples together and he divided them into twos and he sent them everywhere to preach about God's kingdom. How thrilled they were when they came back saying, people have been converted. Even the devils were subject to us. Luke 10, 1-17. Judas was one of those who gloried in all that had been accomplished. But he rejected the work of God in his own life. In 1735, a few years ago, John Wesley set out as a missionary to Georgia, then a colony in America. And after two years of working there, he said, I went out to convert the Indians, but oh God, who shall convert me? You see, to be deeply involved in the church and in its work, and to be noted as a religious person, doesn't necessarily mean that you have peace with God. Judas participated in the work of God, and yet he never came to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and as his Savior. In John chapter 15 and verses 14 and 15, our Lord says some very special things about friends. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. What was Abraham described as? He was described as the friend of God. And it's this kind of relationship that our Lord is talking about here when he called his disciples friends. It was certainly a relationship of love both for him and for each other. Are you a friend of the King? Have you met with the Lord Jesus Christ personally? Have you understood your sin? Have you repented of your sin? Have you put your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ? Judas chose not to. He had every opportunity and he rejected every single one of them. He went out and it was dark, we're told in John's Gospel. He took his own life. And for Judas, it will always be dark. But for you, you can experience, as the Bible tells us, becoming light. How does that happen? It happens as the Lord Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, lives within us fills us, when we repent of our sin, when we turn to him, when we call to him for our salvation. Call to the Lord for his salvation. Put your hope in him. Place your trust in him. And you can have peace in your heart. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you
that we are able to experience and to see and to understand all that you do for us in this world in many respects just as Judas was able to but we have the opportunity to instead of rejecting the gospel to call out to you for salvation to place our hope and our trust and our belief in you Father if there's anybody here this evening who keeps walking away turning their back to you that this evening would be the evening the time when that changes and that we would find ourselves calling out to you and as we've spoken of so often before in all the history of the world there has not been one person who called to you in genuine faith and trust who has been turned away and so Lord hear our prayers this evening show to us what it is that you would have in our hearts and in our lives as we place our trust and our hope in you as we repent and turn to you we ask